Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Thank you, dear Ralph. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I'm Sarah. <laughs> uh, I've been part of this fellowship for not far off 35 years now. And, uh, yeah, I'm... Um, thinking about how God has prepared us, me, us, for where we're at now and what we're heading into. So the talk's going to be on preparation. And I'm just going to pray now to start. Father God, thank you so much for the worship time, the uh, fellowship this morning, pre-church prayer. Lord, that... um, And especially in the worship time, God, you took us into the glory realm. And Lord, that's where my heart desires to dwell and where I am thankful, Lord, that you are leading us. Lord, that we're already seated, rooted and grounded in the heavens because of what Jesus has done. And I pray, Lord, that none of my words will hinder anyone from rising up and staying and flowing in that glory realm this morning. Lord, that your river of life would be pouring out into every spirit. And as I talk, maybe of things past, maybe of things current, maybe of challenges, Lord, that you will overridingly show us that divine exchange that you have made for us on our behalf for your glory, because you're forming a people who will glorify you on this earth. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Open every heart, open all ears, open all eyes to your spirit and what your spirit is saying to the churches this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I've been reminded as I've been preparing, uh, uh, a guy very close to the foundation of Vine Life way back used to say, I hope I grow up before I grow old. Well, I'm growing old, but I had to have a little look. How has the Lord grown me up in the kingdom? And what does it look like? So that's why we went into preparation mode. Because, uh, yeah, nearly 35 years ago, I was just short of 40, um, baptized and spirit-filled and full of zeal and hope and enthusiasm. God brought us up to a small town outside Bolton, to a general practice, and uh, I had vision for what the Lord was going to do, which, if you loop back a bit, I was thinking, actually, this talk is about a revision, which in GCSE days is quite a good thing to be doing, revision of our faith and our faith journey. So he positioned us and uh, positioned us locally and connected us spiritually And then, you know, it was all like, oh, this is going to be great. And we began to hit hindrances and uh, unexpected resistance, which I hadn't realized would happen. Lack of support, uh, antagonism to what we were trying to do in a practice that we were trying to make into a Christian practice. Wasn't that a good thing to be doing? But at that time, God spoke very clearly to Rob, my husband, saying that this place, this practice, will only ever be a place of preparation. 
And we didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I think we're beginning to recognize now what that meant. And it was about preparation of our hearts, preparation of our spirits, preparation of our mind, preparation of our understandings. And uh, so 35 years later, here I am looking back on, am I prepared yet? We all understand preparation, you know, we spend our days doing it. Christmas comes along and we get panicky and, and we prepare long journeys, trips up to the Hebrides in camper vans, that needs preparation. Wedding cakes, my goodness, those need preparation. All sorts of ways, just taking the kids to the park with a new baby, that needs some preparation. It's uh, sorting out how we're going to move forward, what we need, what, we, what we're going to do. And uh, involvement with preparation in our lives is endless. In fact, it's uh, even become a career. You can become an event manager, you know, which is all about preparation. And I'm learning a bit about that with what we're doing in Horwich. But with God in the hands of the king of love that we've met with this morning already, our kingdom preparation for our lives is more profound and much more purposeful, much more skillful, and in fact, it's eternal, way beyond what we see on the surface. Exodus 23:20 says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. God has gone before us. He sends angelic support to us to lead us forward in the paths that he's got planned for us. I'm going to run out of space here, but never mind. He guards our ways as he's prepared the place. And he's not just preparing our heads and our activities. It's going much deeper. He prepares us. 1 Thessalonians 5 in the voice version. If you haven't come across the voice version, it's really good. It's um, just so readable. So now may the God of peace make you his own completely and set you apart from the rest. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved, kept intact, and wholly free from any sort of blame at the coming of the Lord, the anointed. For the God who calls you is faithful, and he can be trusted to make it so. He prepares our hearts, our minds, our motivation, our energy, our focus. He cleanses our hearts. He cleanses our lives. He removes the fears. He builds our relationships. He prepares us to be set apart for him. We're all in a new season. We hear that everywhere we go in the Christian world just now. It's like a new era. There's something new afoot. We sense it. We hear it. We know it in our spirits. God's plans and purposes are shifting and, and moving forward. And we need to understand that as clearly as we can so that we can follow and cooperate with his strategy, his thinking. We want his preparation to fall on hearts that are pure as best we're able to get there. And our lives are prepared and willing to be part of his plans. And the resistances and the hindrances that arose 35 years ago and still arise today intermittently were in a significant part arising from my own heart and mind. Not all, but in large part, communications, understanding, perspectives and how to connect. My soul, myself. 
But God is shifting these things in all of us, in the Western world, really, if you want the biggest picture, to understand what he's desiring of us. He's moving all we've ever known about him, his trustworthiness, his faithfulness, his kindness, all his qualities from our heads, knowledge, knowledge of the word, vital, but that if it sticks there and doesn't change our hearts, it's not doing all he wants it to do. He wants us to be rooted in peace and his truth to be written in our hearts. Colossians 3, 15 tells us that the God of peace will rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. We can be thankful that his desire for our hearts is that they be at peace. He wants that lordship, that rulership of our hearts, not just hanging out with him, but a lordship, uh, an awe of what he says and who he is. He wants to rule, and he's intentional about preparing us. And he's preparing us for war. War to rule in kingdom rule in a world that doesn't want that, doesn't like it, doesn't feel it needs it. I don't say that to upset you. I say that to stir your spirits because it's war against his enemies and therefore against our enemies. And we do it from a place of love and a place of truth, a place of faith and a place of trust. But we have entered a war in this new era, a battle for the next generation. Praise God for miles. What an amazing job he's going to do. So it's nothing to do with doom and gloom. And, oh, keep it sweet, Sarah. Don't talk about war. No, this is the reality of where the body of Christ is in this era, beginning to face an enemy that doesn't want us to thrive. But we're not alone. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a song of deliverance. Thank you so much today for that. We're delivered from ourselves. Scripture tells us, doesn't it, that we'll gain our life when we're prepared to lose it. If we're prepared to give away all that we think of as us, then we'll gain him. And I suggest to you that in these battles, in these struggles to let go of what we hold on to protect ourselves, in the storms of life, in the tsunamis, that's the place where we draw close to him. That's where we move into our hiding place. As the battle gets strong, we get drawn in closer. We seek him harder. And it's in that place, in that hiding place, that the spirit and the word become one. As we press into the word, suddenly in our situations, revelation comes and we realize that the spirit is speaking to our hearts and that his word has life and is truth. We receive it in a deeper place in our spirit and it becomes the place that we live from. That's his desire for us. When Rob and I were married, we didn't really know the Lord. We had patchy bits of history and Anglican stuff. But um, so we weren't moving in the things of the spirit together in any way, shape or form. And 
like all over the world, you know, people get together and there's a level of codependency. I look to him, he looks to me to meet needs and desires and, and wants. And as time goes on, those codependent bits and pieces of us, our souls, where our pain is, where our hurt, where our needs are, you know, we can give offense to each other. We can presume, we can take liberties, we can demand. Uh, and so, you know, that happened to us. We uh, got ourselves in a place where it was tough, you know. Um, and I had the opportunity to go off to the States and learn about prayer counseling. That was an am amazing gift. But the clearer I got with how good God was and how he wanted to move us forward, the clearer it became as how dysfunctional we were at home and how codependent we were. And that was a tough season. And it brought about um, an understanding of how important it is to let go of our own stuff uh, and to draw on his supernatural love. It's that divine exchange that we've touched on already this morning. And we have a covenant-keeping God. So in the midst of these struggles, in the midst of these revelations of, oh, crikey, am I really like that? In the midst of those understandings, we have a covenant-keeping God who gives us all we need to transform the hearts and minds of his people. He's given us the cross. We've heard already. That's where the divine exchange comes. But we don't always look at it often enough. We get busy in our lives. We recognize we've got weaknesses or failings or difficulties. But there's an application of the power of the cross that we have to embrace and to take hold of the power of the shed blood of Jesus to cleanse our hearts in the way that only that can do. And as we grow increasingly in an understanding of who he is and that he is the source of our life, and he is the only one that can cleanse us in those ways. You know, we, can pre we need to press in and apply these things. Not all of my verses are on slides, I apologize. But Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And that's what was beginning to shift in my thinking. I was beginning to recognize that the things that I'd taken as me, as normal, as this is how life is, there was a shifting going on. And the Lord prepares the brothers and sisters of Jesus by requiring a renewing of our minds. Someone recently spoke about three sort of worldviews or mindsets, which I found helpful. And you'll be familiar with, really, but it just reminded me. The first he talked about was barbarian, without God, really, in the system at all. Uh, totally worldly. The second one is Greek, where, which is what we see in the West, so, so prevalently that we use our minds to uh, recognize who God is, to agree with some of what he says, uh, but we live our lives from a sort of good ideas and uh, concepts, rational thinking, logical thinking, that stuff. And then there's the Hebraic, biblical mindset, which is rooted and ruled and governed by the ways and nature of Jehovah as displayed in scripture, and that's the mind of Christ. That's the mind set on the spirit. That's our plumb line, and that's what the Father is preparing us to fully embrace and understand and live by. 
one or two of you know that the last couple of weeks of my life have been probably two of the toughest that I've ever experienced. Um, we had some family illness, and I was amazed and thankful and encouraged uh, and blessed to experience that level of pressure, level of difficulty, level of disruption uh, in the middle of preparing a talk for church, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I never rains, but it pours. Um, but I had peace. I had a supernatural peace. And it was encouraging because I recognized that the Lord had done a mighty thing in, within me to bring me to a place of being led by his spirit, being led by what was truth, being led by peace, and not to be led by emotions. And it's not always been the case. You know, you ask Kay or Dell, you know, they'll tell you. Uh, she's not always been led by peace. <laughs> but it was a really um, encouraging thing for me. Uh, things are working through and it's God's gracious and faithful. But, um, yeah, for me, there was deep encouragement in the midst of it. He establishes it. And in a way, that was what I was expecting way back 35 years ago when we first came to the surgery. I thought, you know, this is all going to flow because God's in it. But my heart had had to be absolutely transformed in, and my mind renewed in the, before it could begin to emerge. Uh, and in a sense, what's happening, another thing I'm preparing for is that something we're doing in Horwich, just a healing gathering. And uh, so there's preparation and there's gathering people together and all that. And again, it's the sense of God's leading and God's peace, which 35 years ago, you know, I'd been trying to organize the whole thing. But uh, God's done a work, and I give him all the glory. And that's what he's doing for us as a corporate body. And I just encourage you, whatever stage or phase you're in, he is seeking to set you apart to bring you to that place of surrender to him that place of moving forward with him under his banner. And in my life, in a way, I suppose I see three areas of this preparation process. So let's look at the what and the how. Brilliant slide, it says what and how. <laughs> I wasn't feeling very imaginative that day. Um, so the what, the what for me had three, uh, three stages. Phase one, if you like, was uh, stepping out of the world and into the kingdom. So as a medic, you know, with a, a formed intellect through blessed education, uh, being financially resourced and capable, I, I was in a comfortable lifestyle, a privileged lifestyle. I was in control and I was full of pride and prejudice, both of them. But I, re I recognized the blessings, I acknowledged God's existence religiously, and I did what was right. So I thought I was okay, I'd ticked all the boxes. And around the time, well, I think it was 88, baptism and an infilling of the spirit, I began to get insight, actually a bit underneath some of those things, fairly early on really after baptism, uh, and seeing the existence of a kingdom of self which needed to be looked at and dismantled it was to do with that Greek mindset, really. I was thriving on the Greek mindset. You know, I could do all those things and live in that style. 
tack God on the side, and that just makes it comfortable and complete. But that's not what God requires of us. He wants the wholeheartedness rule and reign. And so he wanted to dismantle some of my thinking, just as he did with the Israelites, you know, out of, the, out of Egypt into the, the wilderness. Forty years of preparation, so I'm in good company. <laughs> Uh, they stepped out of Egypt, they left behind their slavery, but it had to be worked out of their hearts. And at Gilgal, he brought them to the point of circumcision before they could enter into the promised land. And I really believe this fellowship is at the point of having had much work done in its heart for, in all sorts of ways and circumstances. And what he looks at is the responses, and he's circumcising our hearts so that we can move into the promises that he's given us. I had to step away from fears and into trust and into faith. Proverbs 3, verse 5, again in the ver uh, voice version, place your trust in the eternal. Rely on him completely. Never depend on your own ideas or inventions. He wa walks us out of slavery into knowing his ways. And it's been a journey of healing and deliverance, freedom, freedom from fears, freedom from pride, freedom from uh, looking in the wrong directions for the way forward. And much of that takes place in the secret place where the Lord is with us. But there's more. There's more that he's preparing for us. And I began to recognize this, uh, the, like phase two, becoming a daughter as children, children of the king, we receive all the blessings, all the nurture, all the wonderful things, the gifts. You know, it's all there for us. We live in a promised land as children of the king. And just as our children in safe homes and blessed and encouraged and fed and watered and nurtured and taught, children receive all the blessings. And biblically, sons and daughters step into a place of authority and a place of responsibility. And again, I believe that at this season of time, in the now of where we are in history, in the kingdom, he's calling sons and daughters to arise. We've talked about it before. We've heard about it before. That all of creation is groaning for this moment. And we can certainly look around and see creation groaning around us right now. And it's for us to step into that sonship and daughtership. That's what he's calling us to, rising up into the fullness of who we are as a body of believers. Yes, as individuals, yes, as groups of people, but as a whole body, who are we? Sons and daughters of the living king. The same process goes on in scripture. Wherever we look, we can look at Esther, you know, she was brought out of the fold, chosen, purified, encouraged, given a strategy, given prayer cover. The Lord was moving. Revelation occurred. And she moved into her place of power and authority. And then she was told to go. Go before the king and save your people. We can look to the bridesmaids who were looking at their little cans of oil. And for me, my time and journey with the Manchester House of Prayer was certainly a season where that oil 
began to flow in my life in a fresh way. It, it, it is about Manchester House of Prayer, but what it was about was gathering the oil of intimacy, spending time in his presence, spending time worshipping and praying. That's what made the difference, hearing truth, receiving it in my spirit in a fresh way. And he calls us to gather the oil of intimacy for ourselves. Bridesmaids couldn't get it from anyone else. They couldn't get it from the ones who'd thought about that before and gathered their oil. They, sh they needed to have the oil for themselves. We each need to have our own supply of oil. The Lord is rich with it. The Lord is uh, abundant in his release of it. But we have to have a heart that will receive that oil of intimacy and knowing that he is the only source of that place of peace and intimacy. Psalm 121, I'll lift my eyes up to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's the only one who will bring us that oil. And he, he does that personally. He does it to each one of us individually. And it only can take place in our own deep hearts as he shows us and convicts us of what we need to change, where we need to encounter that divine exchange at the cross. He wants us to be filled with that mercy instead of judgment as the world judges. To be different and to respond differently in situations where we might be challenged or recognize that people are different from us in different ways or antagonistic and uh, irritated and all of those things. He's writing mercy into our hearts, not just knowing it's a good way to be, but to do it in our hearts. He alone is the source. So when he's formed his sons and his daughters, which, you know, we're doing okay, we're moving forward, we're heading in that direction, that's where we're looking and that's where we're wanting but there's still more. After the sonship and daughterhood, our, that sense of our identity is clear. He asks us then to step back out into the world with the kingdom internalized. You know, in, in Psychobabble, they talk about internalizing that uh, maturity. As kids grow up, they internalize their mom and dad, the voices that guide them and lead them. And we as believers are needing to internalize that kingdom identity, that kingdom voice, that place of daughterhood. And I, I do believe that's where the fellowship's coming to corporately and being prepared for, not just children, but to be a place of authority and responsibility in the kingdom. We are those who are called to represent Jesus to a world that's falling apart. And and it's not easy because people don't really want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they're on the wrong pathway. They don't want to acknowledge it. So it will take courage, all the courage we can muster. And that's why we need to revise from time to time our journey of faith, because we need to internalize who we are. We need to internalize who Father says we are. We need to internalize that uh, capacity for faith and trust because when the hard time comes, we need to have it in here, not just in here.
And that's why I'm such a flag flyer for the prophetic, because that's a place of encouragement. And as we hear his words for us, as we hear specific uh, voice of God for us specifically through one another or, or through the word of God, it encourages our heart. Ephesians 3.18, strengthened with might in the inner man. That needs courage to be strong in our inner man in Christ. Song of Songs 8 verse 5, who is this coming out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? That's one of my favorite verses because we go through the tough times. That, that place of strengthening is often a tough time. And we come out of that leaning more securely, more deeply, more powerfully leaning in to who Jesus is, our beloved. And that can build our confidence. As I always like to say, confidence comes from the Latin con fideo, with faith. Confidence comes with faith. Confidence to sit round a table in the middle of our enemies. Nobody chooses to do that. But that what is what we're going to find happens. And some of you are in the midst of this far more than I am. I'm in a privileged place as an old gray-haired creature that doesn't work anymore. You're right in the thrust of this. You're sitting out there amongst your enemies daily, and I admire you for it. And I just encourage you that there is a place to sit, a place that's set with rich things from the table to feed on from the Lord as you walk through that place with your enemies around you. So I do believe we're in a now time. That was coming up in the prayer time this morning. We're in a key time for this corporate body. Uh, the now of the preparation is beginning to reach its fullness. There's something new going on amongst us. And, and it's raising us up into this place of stepping out with authority and favor. Uh, going back to the preparing the wedding cake idea, we don't, once the wedding cake's ready, we don't keep it hidden in the kitchen. We put it on display. That's what it was made for, for display and consumption. God is saying, I've gathered together the ingredients, everything coming together to make something new, and now I want to display you for consumption. So how? That one, oh, yes, I think this is where I put the slides the wrong way around, Miles. The next, there's one about um, a whole list of things of the how, the ingredients, the things that go into the cake, the things that go in to the growing of sons and daughters who are ready to step out. And there's, it's a long list, like a recipe. You know, there's lots of things that go into it. And you know these things. Some of you know these things a lot better than I do. But I thought it was important just to remind ourselves, to revise what ways, what we've put into our lives in order to, to move into that place. So his word, regularly feeding and pondering. Word searches, you know, pick out one word that seems to be, oh, mystery, what's that about? Peace, where does that come from? Overcoming, I did a word search once on overcoming, and it just stayed with me for life, that he is the overcomer, and he wants to take us into that place. And we need to, uh, as it appeared, yeah, oh, I see, oh, gosh, you can make it right, okay. Hope I do it in the right order. Um, Ephesians 6, putting on the armor. 
How often do you remember to put your armor on? Do you put your armor on every day? Do you put it on at night? Do you take it off at night? What do we do with armor at night? We need it at night. You know, anyone had bad dreams or whatever? We need our armor night and day. I'm speaking to myself. We need to know his ways, to get to know him, that oil of intimacy, who he really is, who it is that loves us so. Meditate on mercy, courage, clarity, commitment. His desire for us is to come into agreement with what he's saying, come into alignment with who he is. And when we're in a Greek mindset, we're way offline. Sorry, but we are. We're just not in the place where he can flow that unhindered river and flow through us unless we come into alignment with his word in a deeper way. We learn through our mistakes, like Gideon. You know, he had to learn to trust. I don't know whether any of these are actually on the slide. I can't remember. Praying, intercession, gaining God's view on all of this and declaring it out to him, reminding ourselves as we remind God of what he said about what he wants for our lives and what he wants to do in the world around us, bringing the kingdom and releasing the kingdom into the environment around us. Intercession needs to be a part of our everyday community life because it's the engine room of where things change and where things move forward for the kingdom. Communion. Anybody do communion on a daily basis? Someone once said to me that when they were traveling, they do communion on a daily basis. And I thought, that's an amazing idea. If I hit a time of struggle or a time of uncertainty, I've begun to do that. You can get little bottles of wine from Tesco, and they don't go sour, you know, but there's just enough there for a few weeks of wine. And you can get wafers anywhere, do what you want. But, you know, it's, it's a practical application of things we know, but do we embrace them? Are we following through? Accountability, vulnerability, you know, one or two here are... Uh, know all my bits and pieces I think most of them anyway uh, yeah so it's it, intimacy going deeper I can't speak strongly enough about that and I do think that's what the Lord's wanting to do with us take us deeper into who he is that we don't have to be afraid of going deeper we feel a bit afraid because we it's a bit unknown we don't know what's down there but he'll show us when it's time he'll show us when he needs to and the blood and its power, I've already said, and we need to actually apply it. And worship and praise led us into the glory realm this morning. And that's where we need to be. That's where we're heading, living in that place. So you know all these things. You're most, many of you are more mature than I was at 40. I just want to encourage you. And that you, if you keep applying the things that we know, we will move forward. But as times get harder, it's easier to let things slide or get um, deceived even as to where we're at in our walk. We need to keep vibrant and alive and alert to what the strategies of the enemy are around us in these days. Not to be scared of that all the time, but, but to really know, mm, is this actually truth that I'm living in at the moment? Am I really alert to what you're saying, Lord, or have I become complacent? And those are moments of response. In the fear and in the pain, the cross is the place, yes, for our fears that are not agreeing with God about who we are. But all, it's also the place for our pain, which comes from the, the fears of other people and things they've done to us 
The cross is the place for our fear and our pain. And, and we need to turn to God and not away from him in those times. And sometimes it feels easier to run away. But the whole point is that I'm, I'm trying to encourage us to walk in faith regardless of our feelings. That's, that's a very un-Greek thing to do and a very unworldly thing to do. But as we, as we press into faith and seek him first, and then we can allow him to uh, root us and establish us. Isaiah 54, 14 says, in righteousness you shall be established. And righteousness is just a right relationship with the Spirit of God. So as we put the Spirit of God first, in righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, and you shall not fear, and you far from terror, for it shall not come near you. And that's where we want to be, isn't it? That's the, that's the promised land, being far from fear and far from... terror. So will we keep pursuing? We're going to see, I suspect, I think we're already seeing it, a lot of barbaric behavior going on around the world. We can see that. I've heard people say in the States, you know, it seems like barbarism is right. Murder, shootings in schools, all this stuff, it's accumulating. We hear of it every day, but we don't need to focus on it. We don't need to grasp hold and see it three times a day or rolling 24 hours. We can turn away from that. It's happening. We're not ignoring it. We're not turning our back on it. But we can seek the Lord for his strategies, his peace in the midst of that, walking beyond what the world would fill us with. So we need to have soft, responsive hearts to the truth in the midst of hardship and tougher decisions. Yeah, I was thinking about sharing about the uh, the healing gathering in, Ho in Horwich. It's just this sense of um, God having brought something full circle, really, having landed in Horwich to, um, to build a Christian practice but the process of going through the wilderness coming to Gilgal and re-entering the promises it's happening on the 25th of June <laughs> we've uh, got a group getting together to have a healing gathering so it's like there's been a preparation and now we're stepping out so it does kind of feel that that's happening and so that's why I can encourage you guys that God's really on the move in the same way throughout this uh, community So to be prepared for war, the war of love and faith, to stand secure as daughters with authority and responsibility and allowing the spirit internalized ruling in our hearts. We'll be stepping out of our comfort zones and we are letting go of our self-protective mechanisms. How did Jesus display this process? He was obedient as a child. 12 years, in the temple, 12 years old in the temple. He did what the father was doing. It wasn't quite what his mom and dad were expecting, but then they realized. So he was being obedient. And when they, not exactly chastised him, but when they came and grabbed him out of the temple, he was obedient to them too. 
baptism, fulfilling God's order. He didn't see himself as above what everyone needed to do. He took part of that before he could fulfill the old covenant and introduce the new. He had to go through the baptismal waters. He faced Gethsemane. Would it be his will or the Father's? And he surrendered. He yielded to God's plan. He went to the, cruci to the crucifix. He died to his own life. It wasn't a self-life in the same way that we as broken human beings have a self-life, but it nevertheless was a, a death to his soul, and he experienced abandonment from the Father. He trusted, even in that forsaken state. And by doing that, he opened the way to release the power that comes for us to do the same. The gateway to overcoming. Revelations 12, 11 tells us that uh, we overcome by the power of the death, by the power of the blood, is our testimony, and not loving our life even unto death. And that's what Jesus demonstrated. You know all these things. I'm just encouraging us all to apply them. Apply them in our daily lives. Encourage one another in faith. Coming to a close, we're being prepared for that glory, glory realm that we were in in the worship. We're being prepared for resurrection life on this earth, living from that place, seated in the heavenly places, knowing it consciously, this is who we are, this is what we're about. We might choose to call it end days, we might choose to call it the second coming of Christ. That's what we're looking towards. That's where the glory will be seen on earth in a way that it's never been seen yet. But for today, our perspective can be that we are being filled and we are seeing Christ's spirit in us in that same level of glory. Glory carriers, carriers of unity, carriers of mercy, carriers of peace, being those who release the kingdom as we go through life with joy in our hearts, not just the idea of it, but the reality of it, imparting it to those that we come into contact with. And the world won't like it. They'll react against it. Flesh doesn't like that sort of thing. It wants its own way. It wants comfort. But we are being formed into those who will bring that glory to others. Our preparation is to nurture that place of faith in our spirits, like the little acorn tree grows into a, a little acorn grows into a great big oak tree. What have you managed to find, Karine? Did you find a, an oak tree? I don't know what you found. I bet it'll be beautiful. Big oak tree. A big oak tree. <laughs> well, once it was a little acorn. Remember that. If you're feeling like a little acorn today, one day you'll be like the big oak tree that sits outside our bedroom and virtually hides the entire field and shades. But, you know, we grow. We grow in faith day by day like little acorns. But the little acorn has to let go of itself. It has to let go of its shell. It has to let go of the things that protect the, uh, the powerful bit where the growth comes from. So let's be those who are passionately pursuing that Hebraic biblical mindset and worldview. Many in the church will resist it. 
even the church will resist those who are truly spirit-led and biblically governed because God wants the spirit of God to be governing and ruling and reigning, not a religious organization. Bless them and bless us all as part of the church. Not knocking anything, just encouraging us to say, let's listen to the voice of the spirit. That's what really matters because we're being prepared by the Lord to govern with him. And that's a place of responsibility and authority and hearing his voice not our own ideas. Will we walk in faith like the folks in Hebrews? Hebrews 11.16 says, God is not ashamed to be called the God, their God because he has prepared a heavenly city for them. We are the ones who need to focus on that heavenly city, the place of glory. Let that be our driving, motivating empowerment, not anything else. It's, it's a place of commitment and passion. So I bless you all. Um, I hope that hasn't confused you unduly, but I do feel, I think, I'd like everybody to stand, please, because I think there's something for everybody here. <laughs> hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.